but we couldn't stay there and God sing that Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts today. I got a lot to go through, so we just going to power through it. I am going to get through the Sweet 16, Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. Of course, we have some college basketball news to go over there. Uh, of course, opening day for the MLB is going to be Thursday. So, again, we're going through all the divisions. Today, we're going through the AL West as well as, sorry, the NL West National League. Uh, of course, uh, the American League Central as well as the National League Central Division. And then, outside of the sports, I do have some discussion topics. I wanted to get into Derek Jackson. Jackson's fake ass and the actions and I want to get a little bit into this red red pill versus blue pill when it comes to dating and men and also maybe a little bit of MGTOW and we'll talk a little bit about what that is and then also I got another discussion since it's the Martin Lawrence a month I wanted to talk about something that I've noticed or something that I've you know come across over the years of being into you know black movies and black actors and actresses and kind of their personal side of things um just kind of the interviews i've watched and the pressure that i feel that is on black actors and kind of how they respond to that so a lot to get to and we're just gonna go ahead and get right into it of course starting off with the ncaa tournament we are in the sweet 16 Things will start off Saturday with 12th seed Oregon State getting it done against number eight, was sorry, the eighth seed Loyola, Illinois, 65 to 58. Uh, the Beavers were led by guard Ethan Thompson in that game. He would go for 22 points, four assists, and four rebounds for Loyola. Uh, they were led by uh, the center, Cameron Kurtwig, uh, 14 points and then four assists and 10, uh, sorry, 10 rebounds. Uh, we're going to be, it's going to be pretty much, a pretty much dominant Pac 12, Elite Eight. This is going to be very interesting. That says a lot about the conference. I don't think people were expecting this going in. I think people, especially, I mean, I know that the favorites had, you know, Gonzaga in the mix. I'm pretty sure Baylor was in the mix because these are pretty much the teams that were number one and two before COVID happened last season. Uh, but I don't think this influx of Pac-12 teams, especially with Oregon State, uh, people were expecting that. Oregon, to some extent, yes. But we'll talk about Oregon in just a second. Uh, also on Saturday, you got the fifth seed Villanova going down to the, the to the number one seed Baylor. Excuse me, fifty-one to sixty-two was the final score there. Uh, Villanova they were turning the ball over sixteen times. They were outscored thirty-nine to twenty-one in the second half. So pretty much that was it. It was pretty much close until then. Uh, for Villanova, they were led by uh, Ford Jermaine Samuel, sixteen points, two assists, and four rebounds. Uh, guard Justin Moore with that fifteen points, three assists, and five rebounds for Baylor. Uh, guard Adam Flagler uh, Flagler. Uh, we will lead the way with 16 points. You also got guard Davian Mitchell with um, 14 points. Uh, Oral Roberts, you know, the Cinderella story of all times, at least within the past 15 years, you know, great run, 15 seed. Uh, they did go down by two points. So it was a, it was a you know, competitive game. 70-72 uh, to 72 to the three seed Arkansas. 
Arkansas would have the advantage 47, sorry, 46 to 35 on terms of rebounds. They would have 18 offensive rebounds. So pretty much that's what kept them in the game. Extra offensive possessions. Uh, that went a long way for them. Uh, they will also go on to outscore Oral Roberts in the second half, 44 to 35. Uh, for Oral Roberts, of course, they were led by guard Max, uh, Max Atmos. Uh, 25 points from him, four assists and two rebounds. Uh, for Kevin Obanor, uh, significantly down from his average of the tournament, which was about 23 something, 23 or 25 points, something like that. 12 points from him in that game, 11 rebounds. So uh, that definitely was a difference. For Arkansas, they were led by guard Jalen Tate. He would have 22 points and six assists, as well as four rebounds. And guard uh, Devontae Davis uh, would have 16 points, as well as two assists and eight rebounds. Finally, on Saturday, you would have uh, Syracuse getting blown out by the number two seed Houston. Um, 46 to 62 is the final score here. Number the number 11 seed Syracuse. Uh, they were led by guards Buddy Beheim and also guard uh, sorry uh, guards Buddy Beheim and Joseph Gerard the third. They were both had 12 points. That's pretty much all you would get from Syracuse. Uh, dominated all over the place. Uh, for Houston, uh, guard Quentin Grimes would lead the way with 14 points. He would have also four rebounds. Justin Graham, the forward, would have thir uh, 13 points, also two two assists and 10 rebounds. And guard Marcus Sasser would have 12 points, two assists, and four rebounds. Uh, like I said, for Syracuse, they were just held to 28% shooting, uh, 8 of 23 from the field. Uh, sorry, 14 of 50 from the field and 8 of 23 from from three, so that'll be about 21%. So terrible shooting all across the board. Uh, they necessarily didn't. They didn't necessarily give up a whole lot of turnovers, I don't think, but they were definitely out rebounding and just outperformed and just outgunned, outmanned. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, yeah, Houston. Yeah, they. Hey, at least the Cougars, the college bat, the college basketball team, look good. That's some good that Houston do got. I'll give y'all a thumbs up. Let's move on to Saturday. You can't get too bogged down. Like I said, you know what I said today. A lot of stuff. All right. Number one, Gonzaga gets it done against number five, Creighton, 83-65. Of uh, course, Gonzaga being the first seed, Creighton, fifth seed. For Creighton, they were led by guard Marcus Zagorowski. 19 points from him, two assists and three rebounds. Forward Drew Timmy uh, led the way for the Bulldogs. 22 points, four assists and six rebounds. Um, what can you say? Gonzaga has pretty much consistently shown that they are the top team. Um, they've never lost. So consistent, consistent, consistent. Um, you have multiple scores in double digits for them. A few other players for Creighton also had double digits as well. But it's just the level of basketball being played on this side of the coast. Obviously, is let's clap it up. I, I don't need to be the, the regional bias guy, but man, woo, yeah. Uh, Number four, the number four seed, excuse me, uh, Florida. Uh, they come up short against the number one seed, Michigan, fifty-eight to seventy-six. Final score here. Uh, Florida State uh, was led by Ford Malik Osborne, twelve points, five assists. Guard MJ Walker, ten points, two assists, and three rebounds. Uh, for Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, he would have fourteen points, two assists, eight rebounds. Uh, for Brandon Johns Jr. would have fourteen points and two assists, six rebounds. And then also you got guard Franz Wagner. Also, guard Shondi Brown uh, putting up uh, double digits and points. So, again, Michigan is firing on multiple cylinders. Uh, they do. They are going to be missing out on uh, their top scorer, Isaiah Livers, for the rest of the tournament, though. He injured his foot. So, um, that might play a factor. Of course, I believe they're playing UCLA in the next round. Yep, in, in, the, in the Elite Eight. We'll talk a little bit about that 
before we wrap everything up for the, for the college basketball segment. But uh, moving on, uh, we got the Pac-12 versus the SEC. The number 11 seed, uh, UCLA, beats the number two seed, Alabama, by 10. A lot of people are calling this an upset. My thing is, I get why people will call this an upset in terms of this year. Alabama finished so strong in their conference. They finished strong overall in terms of the rankings. Bam. But this is not something that they do normally in terms of going to the NCAA tournament. As a matter of fact, I think uh, their uh, regular season title was their first since the 80s. And I could be off by that um, by a little bit. But again... I, if UCLA would have lost, I think that would have been an upset because UCLA has won championships. They've been deep into the conference, uh, all their conference tournaments. They normally they go deep into the NCAA tournaments most years, regardless of their Pac-12 record, regardless of their overall record. Come on, this is UCLA. Uh, they're a program in college basketball. So um, Alabama is not that program just yet. Let's see what happens in three to four years, five years maybe. If they're still in the mix, you know, possibly even winning a championship, by all means, yeah. But at this point, 2021, this is not necessarily an upset for me, per se. 88 to 78, uh, UCLA gets it done. Uh, uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr. and also guard Jules Bernard will lead the way with 17 points for the Bruins. Uh, Jaquez Jr. would also have eight rebounds and three assists. Uh, Bernard would have two assists and six rebounds. Jaquez Jr. is really impressing me. I think his uh, average throughout the, the regular season was just about 11 points since the tournament. He stepped it up. He's had 20 point plus games here he has 17 in a crucial sweet 16 matchup here against the number two seed you gotta love it stepping his game up in the ncaa tournament that's the stuff that i, I like to see personally um if i'm a scout i know i haven't been hired by nobody yet but if i were able to get the chance i'm looking for players that you know step up when you know the situation arises for it uh for the bruins that were also helped out by tyler campbell and of course johnny Juzang. uh 13 points from both of those guys you also got david singleton coming off of the bench four and 15 for them as well again a team firing firing on all cylinders playing like a real true squad that's scary for anybody right now. Uh, for Bama, they were helped out by uh, ja uh, Javon Quinterly, uh, the guard from Brooklyn, New York, would have 20 points, three assists, and also three rebounds. And guard John Petty would have 16 points and five rebounds. Uh, UCLA were pretty much uh, would also be helped out at the free throw line, going 20 or 25. So they did everything right. Uh, they also forced eight steals and 14 turnovers. That's why they're here. Uh, finally, uh, you had an all Pac-12 matchup uh, to cap out everything for the night. Number seven Oregon goes down cruel fashion. I'm, I'm not necessarily devastated by this loss, 68 to 82, uh, to the 16 USC. And I'll tell you why. Um, for me, Oregon played solid all season. There was, I mean, uh, realistically looking at this team, this is what I imagine. Sweet 16. I didn't. I didn't. You know. I didn't say. I mean, again, you kind of, you look at a roster sometime and you see how the season progresses and you kind of get an idea based on how the team is playing. You look at stats as well and you can kind of get an idea where this team falls. I knew this was a, a team that could make a deep tournament run. I felt like this could be Elite Eight to possibly a Final Four team to, to a certain extent. 
but a Sweet 16 is not bad, uh, especially with the win against Iowa that we had. Uh, I think that put a lot of people on notice. I think this squad has a lot to be looking forward to. I mean, they, we still recruit well. Uh, Oregon's becoming a national. Yeah, you got hot riders out here. That's just the way that it is. I got to deal with that. Anyways, for the Ducks, they were led by Fort Eugene Omoyuri. I'm pretty sure the folks down there in Eugene, Oregon, actually love that guy. For, oh, I bet you they just rub with those white folks. Like, oh, his name is Eugene. The town's name is Eugene. Oh, God. Oh, I can just see him now. 28 points from him, 10 rebounds. Uh, guard Chris Duarte with that 21 points, 6 assists, and also 5 rebounds. USC um, just uh, really has been outperforming everybody uh, up to this point. Uh, really turned my uh, attention to them with this win right here. Uh, not to say that I've overlooked them. They were definitely a top 25 team. We've talked about them a couple times, but again, they just weren't on my radar per se. But again, they've they just been a sleeper. Isaiah White, uh, at least for me, Isaiah White, 22 points, 5 rebounds. Taj Edey, I think one of the players of the tournament next to Jaime Jaquez Jr., uh, 20 points from him, 5 rebounds. You also got Isaiah Mobley, the forward, getting 13 points, 2 assists, and also 6 rebounds. Uh, the Ducks were held to just 36% uh, shooting from the field, 23% from uh, 3. And they also outscored 26-41 to 41 in the second half. That's going to be, sorry, the first half. That's going to be the story of the, of the, of the season right there. Uh, really poor first half. We did not get started off hot. Uh, we'll have to work on uh, probably something in that offense that you know get you, get you going, get you started early, get your get your offense scoring buckets because they're they're a pretty solid defensive team. Uh, you know they're known for creating turnovers and stuff like that. They you know play defense really well. I think offense, um, you know, I think it was lacking in certain games and, and especially within the Pac-12 tournament. I think that's what uh, made us come up short against Oregon State. In the, I believe that was the conference semifinal. Uh, so, yeah. So, there's some things that Oregon can definitely work on going into next season. Of course, people go, people leave. This is college basketball. We don't know who's going to still be there. But in terms of game planning, play calling, and stuff like that, in terms of what Altman can do, there's some things that he could possibly do. Uh, but let's move on. Of course, we have the Elite Eight coming up. This will be coming up today, actually, to in the evening, afternoon, depending on where you're at. Um, we got number 12, Oregon State, uh, going up against uh, the number two seed, Houston. Of course, a matchup against two really good defensive teams. Let's see who can either create some more offense. You know how that goes in the, in the defensive matchups. It usually ends up being some type of, you know, slobber knocker where everybody is scoring hella points. It happens. We got the third seed, Arkansas, going up the, uh, against the first seed, Baylor. We also got the sixth seed, USC, going up against the number one seed, Gonzaga. And to uh, cap everything off, we have the number 11 seed, UCLA, going up against the number one seed, Michigan. I like the chances of uh, UCLA in that one. As far as the other matchups, I like Baylor against Arkansas. That's just me. I think Baylor just has just a whole hell of a lot of offense. Same thing for Gonzaga. Uh, but, you know, UCLA, I mean, sorry, USC has been a, a sleeper. So that could be an interesting matchup as well. I also think the most interesting matchup, the most competitive matchup is going to probably be Oregon State and Houston. All right, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. And like I said, we're going to power through some MLB previews. Of course, i got to break down the NL West, the NL Central, as well as the American League Central as well. So we got to, yeah, we got to get on, get on the ball. So I'll be right back, y'all. Oh, 
All right, y'all, we're going to break down some baseball. Uh, we're going to talk about the NL West uh, real quick. And we're going to start off with the top, the cream of the crop, uh, the Dodgers here. Now, that's, uh, last season, uh, they would finish 43-7, first in the NL West. Uh, they would win a, of course, they would win the World Series over Tampa Bay. Uh, they've won eight consecutive divisional titles. Uh, but that World Series drop will go, go over 30 years. So it was a good win on them, in my opinion. Uh, the Dodgers are probably another one of the teams. I mean, I, I'm definitely a fan of the A's, uh, but I like to follow the Dodgers as well. I mean, being a, a big, big city team, that's one of the few big city teams that I can say that I really like. Uh, but 10 players on the squad are 26 and under, so they have a good young working core. Uh, let's take a look at the lineup. They got right fielder Mookie Betts, who signed a 12-year, $365 million year over the offseason. Again, $365 million for 12 years. That's baseball for you. I mean, that's the only place where I'm going to see that happening for 12 years. Uh, as far as I know, uh, this is all guaranteed, and it comes with a $65 million signing bonus. So Mookie, Mookie Betts, do your thing. Uh, last year, in terms of how he, you know, how how well he performed, in terms of you know his batting, he had a 292 average, uh, 366 on base percentage, and a 562 slugging percentage for 16 home runs and 39 RBIs. He would also have 10 stolen bases. Uh, he's an All NBA first team and a Golden Glove winner. So. Um, it's safe to say that in baseball terms, his his contract is definitely, I would say, justified. You also got uh, left fielder A.J. Pollock, uh, center fielder Cody, Cody Bellinger, also an all-star as well. Uh, we have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he might even be an MVP. I'm not, yeah, if I'm not Cody Bellinger, he raw too. Uh, yeah, Max Muncy, first baseman, uh, second baseman Chris Taylor, uh, third baseman Justin Turner. And so we also got shortstop, sorry, shortstop Corey Seager. And we have a uh, we have catcher here, Will Smith. No, not the Fresh Prince. I believe this Will Smith is white. Yeah, I'm just gonna tell you right now. Let's look at the rotation. We have Walker Bueller. Uh, last year, he was a starter. Uh, he as a starter, he would have a 3.44 ERA with 42 strikeouts and a WHIP, meaning um, walks and hits. You know, per his innings uh, of 0.95, so not really giving up too much. Uh, in terms of, you know, on the mound, uh, looks like he probably didn't get, you know, super, a great amount of run support. But again, uh, great pitcher on the mound overall. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, he was 6-2 and two overall uh, as, a, as a starter last season. He with a 2.16 ERA, 62 strikeouts. Uh, he also had a whip of under one. He was also an all-MLB second team member. We also They also brought in Trevor Bauer. Uh, they still got David Price. They got Julio Urias as well. Uh, let's look at the bullpen real quick. They have Kenley Jensen. Of course, he will always be their closer until, of course, he either don't want to be there no more or he just fall off. Uh, but uh, we got uh, Corey Niebel. I think that's how you pronounce that. Blake Trinian. Uh, we also got Joe Kelly out there. Brandon Morrow. Uh, Bujdar Raterol, uh, Victor Gonzalez. We also got Dustin May. In terms of some uh, team notes about this team here, it was some takeaways about this team here. They were uh, eighth in batting average, at least in the National League last season, with a 256, uh, 256 there. They also fourth in on base with 338, and they also first in slugging with a 483. Uh, they also had 118 homers, which was good enough for first in the National League. And in terms of their pitching, uh, they were first uh, in team ERA in the National League with a 302. They were also first in runs allowed as well with one. 
81. Um, I don't really see a draw, a fallback in this team. I still think they compete at a higher level. Um, I'm just actually split between them and the Padres in, t in terms of who is taking this uh, title. Uh, but not in terms of, you know, who's here, the same kind of mix is here, the same core. They're still young and ready, ready to go. Um, so it looks to me as the Dodgers next to, like I said, the Padres are the team to beat. So let's talk about the Padres real quick. The Padres were 37 to 20 last season, of course. They were second in the NL West. Uh, this is a quote uh, coming from a, a National League squ uh, scout. They're a fun. Uh, they're a fun team. Lots of high ceiling. Lo sorry, they're a fun team. Lots of high ceiling, high energy guys. Fernando Tatis Jr. might be one of the most exciting players in uh, in baseball, and Manny Machado looks comfortable as well. So, um, you know, as you can see. Fernando Tatis Jr., that's the big name here. Manny Machado, big name here as well. Also, 48 hours before the trade deadline, the Padres GM, A.J. Preller, would make six deals involving 27 players. The team would get uh, 10 players such as pitchers Blake Snell and also Yu Darvish. They also was they also were able to get uh, bring in uh, shortstop Ha Song Kim uh, from Korea. Uh, they also traded away 14 players as well. So let's take a look at this lineup, uh, this new and retooled lineup. Uh, center fielder, we have Trent Gresham. At right field, we have Will Myers. At left field, we have Tommy Pham. Uh, at first base, we have Eric Hosmer. Uh, at second base, we have Jake Cronenworth. Of course, at third base, we have Manny Machado, the man here last year. He had a, a hitting split of 304, 370, and 580 with six, uh, 16 homers and 47 RBIs. Of course, Fernando Tatis Jr., the man as well. 277 average, 366 on base, of course, 571 uh, slugging with 17 home runs and 45 RBI from uh, on, from him as well. We also got at the catcher spot, uh, Austin Nola. Uh, in terms of the rotation, uh, we have Yu Darvish coming in. Uh, he had he had a record of 8-3 last year with the Cubs with a 2.01 ERA. He also had 93 strikeouts and a whip of 0.961, so not a lot of hits. He struck a lot of people out. No runs a lot, not a lot of runs allowed. So a uh, good pickup from them. Uh, they were also able to get Blake Snell last year. He had a record of four and two. He had a record of sorry. He had an ERA of three point two four average, uh, which is okay. He also had sixty three strikeouts. Uh, we also got Danielson, Lamette, Chris Paddock, and Joe Musgrove uh, in that rotation. In terms of the bullpen, we got Drew Pomerantz, Emilio Pagan, uh, Keon Keller, Mark Melikan, and Craig Stammen. A uh, couple more guys there, uh, but a couple takeaways from this team. They, they were a top 10 team in hitting last season, so pretty much uh, they were third in fielding uh, as well in terms of defense, so a 983 uh, fielding percentage from them. They also were third in team ERA, 3.86, and they also fourth in strikeouts with 565. So this team, again, just like the Dodgers, I do not really see them taking a step back. Um, matter of fact, they're probably going to be Definitely neck and neck with the Dodgers all season long for the divisional title, uh, if not more. Uh, but let's move on. Let's we gotta take a step down to the other the other guys. Uh, let's talk about the Rockies for a little bit. Uh, last year they were finished 26 and 34. They were fourth in the uh, NL West. Uh, they did trade second baseman Nolan Arenado last year. Sorry, during the offseason to St. Louis. Uh, they recently cut some ties with some relievers who just. Uh, you know, they were costing them a lot of money. Uh, when they signed their big contracts uh, back in 2017, they were worth about 
for all three of them uh, to sign. It was about 107 million. So those contracts have come to pass. So they're off the books. Uh, so they're looking to make some changes as well. Um, now, you know, in terms of their starting lineup, we have Sam Hilliard. Uh, we have right fielder Charlie Blackman. He will finish uh, the season with a 303 batting average. Uh, but the thing with him was he was actually batting at 500 through his first 17 games. Uh, but he would just bat 216 after that. So he would have six home runs and 42 RBIs, but there was a, a, a fall off with his production is what I'm saying. Uh, that um, This starting lineup also consists of shortstop Trevor Story, also second baseman Brendan Rodgers. We also got uh, catcher Elias Diaz. Uh, now the story about Rockies catchers last year, just to speak of their, sh their struggles. Now Rockies catchers were last in the National League in home runs with just two. Uh, they were both hit by Diaz. Uh, Rockies catchers were also had a combined. They also combined for a slugging percentage of 285, so they weren't uh, really getting those extra base hits. So, uh, meaning they weren't hitting triples and doubles. They weren't getting RBIs. Those are th that were last. They were last in the National League in that. So, not a lot of offense from the Rockies last year. That's kind of what we're seeing. Um, in terms of their uh, rotation, we got Antonio uh, Senzatella. He was 3-0 uh, in, in five of his starts last season. He did have a 2.1 ERA. Uh, he is 21-9 in his career, and he has a total ERA of 4.94. He does have the second-highest home winning percentage at 700 at the moment. Uh, he has the second-highest winning percentage at home for any starter for the Rockies. Um, we also got Daniel Bard there as well. He's going to be in that bullpen. Uh, he faced 106 batters and only gave up two home runs. Uh, he did have a 4-2 and two record last year. Uh, he did have a 3.65 ERA, but he did also had 6 Ks. Sorry, sorry, 6 saves. Uh, so he was able to cap, you know, was able to, you know, clinch a win for, for his team six times. That's pretty much what counts as a save for those of you who may not know. Uh, but anyways, he also had 27 strikeouts as well. Uh, but a couple takeaways from his team, uh, their rotation and bullpen overall gave up 83 home runs. Uh, they also gave up 327 RBIs, uh, which was also last in the league. So, they, again, you know, you, you pretty much people were scoring on him at will. Uh, you know, so a lot of things to take away from this squad here. Uh, I don't think too much changes from them. I think Colorado struggles again this season. Losing Oronado uh, was pretty much, you know, that's pretty much sealed the fate for them. Uh, let's move on to the Diamondbacks. Uh, we have a quote here from a um, National League scout. He goes on to say, it's got to be frustrating for these guys. They'll always be in the shadow of the Dodgers. They'll always be in the shadow of the Padres. Uh, sorry, they'll always be in the shadow of the Dodgers. The Padres are strong now, and they look like they're headed in the wrong direction after three seasons. So, again, that tells you all you need to know. Last season for Arizona, they were finished 27-35 and 35 last. Um, you know, not too much to say about this squad. There are some... There are some key contributing pieces here, though. Uh, in the lineup, we have Keto Marte. Last year, he had a 282 average with a 323 uh, on base percentage. Uh, he would have uh, 17 RBIs, though, just two home runs. Uh, we also got Nick Ahmed here at the shortstop spot. He would have 29 RBIs. I believe that led the team. Um, in terms of that rotation, uh, you got Madison Bumgarner, whatever is left of him. He went four, one of four last year with a 6.4 ERA, just 30 strikeouts. Again, coronavirus, you know, well, the coronavirus season that was short. I mean, it, it did a lot to people. Uh, in the bullpen, they got Joaquin Soria. He will be the closer. He just had two saves last year. 
Uh, he did have a 2.82 ERA, so there's something to look at there. Uh, they are good at base running. Um, that's one positive that I can give the Diamondbacks. Uh, they were second in the AL, sorry, the second in the National League in successfully stealing bases at 76%. They were third in extra bases taken um, in terms of turning a single into a, you know, a double, you know, just taking that extra effort or, you know, double into a triple. That's kind of the example here. Uh, so, again, <clears throat> they do that well. Uh, they were also 10th in team batting average. Uh, you could say that's average, uh, but they only had 58 home runs as a team. So, again, um, they don't really have that power hitter. Uh, they don't really have a rotation that you really rely upon, and that's what you're, that's what you're hearing there. And it's frustrating because now, again, um, the Dodgers have been good. And also we have the the Padres that look like they're going to be a team for a while now. So let's move on to the uh, – and so as far as where I think they'll finish, I, I think they'll probably finish last. Um, here's a dark horse in my opinion. I'm not, I'm not normally a fan of this team, but we have the Giants here. Uh, they finished third last season. Um, they were 29 and 30, sorry, 29 and 31. Uh, they have a lineup of Mike Yastrzemski, of course. Uh, he had a 297 uh, average with a 400 on base percentage. He was also he also had a slugging percentage of 568. He also would have 10 home runs. He also had 35 uh, RBIs. He also had a he also led the league with a two point at least the National League with a 2.9 win above replacement. Now, this one is that is a little bit harder to you know kind of um explain but apparently if you know he accounts for at least 2.9 wins i guess something like that i don't worry about it don't worry about that stuff. i have to figure that out later for y'all don't worry about it he also uh had four game winning rbis which would lead the national league as well um also 10 like sorry 10 go-ahead rbis four game winning rbis so Basically, what I'm saying is uh, Mike Yastrzemski is a clutch hitter, just like I believe it was his grandfather who used to play back in the day, Carl Yastrzemski, for the Red Sox. Yeah, I know my stuff. I'm, You know, baseball, hey, I like baseball, too. You got left fielder Alex Dickerson, center fielder Mauricio Dubon. We also got right, sorry, first baseman Brandon Bell. I always liked him. 309 average last year, 425 on base percentage. He did have a slugging percentage of 591. Uh, he would have nine home runs and 30 RBIs. Uh, we also got Devin Longoria, Brandon Crawford. We all kind of know Buster Posey, Devin Donovan Solano. Okay. Uh, as part of the rotation, we have uh, Johnny Cueto. We also got Kevin Gaussman, three and two last year for him. He had a 3.62 ERA and 79 Ks. In terms of the bullpen, we got Tyler Rogers. He will be the closer. Uh, he had three saves last season. Uh, he did have a 4.5 ERA uh, with 27 strikeouts. As far as what I feel about the Giants, um, again, I think they're a definite dark horse. I think they have a decent rotation. Um, I'm not too sure about the bullpen. Um, I like their starting lineup. It seems to be really good. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski is a really good um, clutch hitter. Uh, you have that going for you. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I mean, it's logical that you could say the Giants finished third, uh, but I definitely think that they could be a dark horse and even push themselves to a wild card. I don't see why it's, you know, I don't think it's impossible, uh, certainly. All right, so we're going to move on to the American League. We're going to blast you both the Central Divisions. Uh, but like I said, we're going to start off with the American League Central. Uh, we have the White Sox here. Uh, last year, they were finished 35-25. and 25. They were second in the, uh, in the AL Central, but they will lose in the wild card series. 
Uh, recently, they hired manager Tony Larusa, old school legend. Uh, they did have the best record in the American League until September, uh, when they pretty much had a mini collapse and they pretty much would lose in the wild card round to the A's. So that's what you're going with. Uh, we do have a quote here from an AL scout. He would go on to say they're really an exciting, uh, they're an exciting team to play baseball fan with stars who express themselves and uh, interesting guys like Nick Madrigal. Uh, and aware who's sorry who's small, but he has a super high contact rate and never strikes out. So again, Nick Madrigal, one of the key players. That's what the scouts are saying. Uh, they're an exciting team. Do I agree? I like I like style. I like pizzazz, but I like teams that don't fall apart in the last part of the season as well. So if the Chicago White Sox can you know avoid that, then they got they got more of my respect. Uh, like I said, they come into the season with a new manager and a new pitching coach. Um, look for that to pay, to play some type of factor as well. Of course, we know this lineup is going to have Jose Abreu in it. Abreu in, it, excuse me, uh, three point sorry three wins above replacement last season that led the AL. Uh, he was also the American League MVP. He had a uh, three seventeen batting average, three seventy on base percentage, and also six. Uh, 617 slugging percentage. He had a one, sorry, 164 OPS, uh, which pretty much means he's a good offensive player. He hits the ball pretty well. That's all you need to know. 19 homers. For those of you who don't understand that stat, and I barely understand it myself, so he's just a good offensive player. He also had 19 home runs, 60 RBIs. Those are the stats that my people know. Yes, he's he can hit the ball, guys. Uh, so uh, we also got Nick Madrigal. Of course, we we've talked about him. Uh, well, he was mentioned by the AL scout as being one of those guys to look out for. I agree. Uh, we also got left fielder Eloy Jimenez. Uh, we also got uh, DH Andrew Vaughn. Uh, let's take a look at the rotation. A couple of those pieces there. We got Lucas Giolito. Last year, he would lead the team in strikeouts with 97. We also got Dallas Keuchel. I like that name being added there. 6-2 and two last season, uh, 1.99 ERA. We also got Lance Lynn that they added um I think, no, I think Lance Lynn, is my, he's might have been there for a while. Uh, but in terms of their bullpen, they did add Liam Hendricks. He would go 3-1 and one last year. Um, and he would also have 14 saves with a 1.78 ERA and a 0.61 whip. Um, Oakland, they let, a, they let a good piece go. I don't like it. This might be one of those pieces that can take uh, the White Sox to the next level. A couple other pieces to that to that, uh, to that that bullpen. I'm not going to go over everybody. We also got Evan Marshall and Matt Foster. Uh, but a couple takeaways from this team. Uh, they, lit, they led the American League in home runs last season with 96. They were second in batting average with a 261. Uh, they were third in on-base percentage with 326. They were first in slugging percentage with 455. Uh, they were fifth in overall team ERA. Uh, they were also 11th. And saves though, which is 13. So again, adding Hendricks helps that. I, that was definitely a smart move for them. But they were seventh in strikeouts. So again, we do have a capable rotation. Again, you're also adding uh, Dallas Keuchel as well. There, uh, they had seven. They were seventh in strikeouts, like I said, with 523. I expect for them to have more strikeouts. Uh, I still expect for this team to hit the ball, and I think this team pretty much wins the AL Central. Let's move on to the uh, Cleveland Indians. Um, they were 35 and 25. They were second in the NL Central last season. Uh, this will be their last season under the Indians' name. I don't know what they're going to change it to. Over the past five seasons, they made the playoffs four times. 
they made it to the World Series at one point in time as well, but they haven't really, uh, they don't really have nothing to show for it. But due to budget restraints, they forcing them to not re-sign uh, one of their veterans' first baseman, Carlos Santana, also one of their closers, Brad Hand, and they also had to trade uh, one of their two of their all stars, Francisco Lindor, and also first start also pitcher David Carrasco. Uh, of course, this lineup is going to consist uh, mostly of Eddie Rosario. We also got second baseman Cesar Hernandez. Cesar Hernandez, 283 average, 355 on base percentage, 408 uh, slugging percentage with three home runs, 20 RBIs. We also got third baseman Jose Ramirez here, 292, 386, uh, 607 in terms of slugging, 17 home runs. He led the team there, also 46 RBIs. So let's take a look at the look at the rotation let's get the rotation real quick we got Shane Bieber here I do not know if he's related to Justin do not ask me I do not know eight and one he had a 1.63 ERA 0.866 whip again nobody's hitting off of him he's not giving up walks he also had 122 strikeouts damn damn we also got Aaron Savale 4-2 record from him 2.28 ERA um couple members of that bullpen we got james uh karen chack we also got nick uh, Wa uh whitgren a uh, couple takeaways from the indians uh they were last in the american league in home runs they were also 13th in ops so offensive or sorry uh that is on base plus slugging so they can't really hit the ball very well that's what i'm taking away from that stat um they don't really hit the ball for power they don't really get on base super well at, at at all either uh, they were 14th in team era uh, with 329 they were also but they were second in save so they have a good bullpen a good closer uh, but they lost him so that kind of sucks so they were second in home runs allowed though with 68 so they can give up some homers they give up runs uh, they have a decent well they i don't know i did say they have a decent closer but he's gone now so i don't know what to really make of these guys yeah all right, let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. Last year, they were finished 23-35 and 35 last in the division. I don't see too much different uh, going on uh, here. They finished last in the Central Division three times in the last four years. Uh, but they will have some more free agency capital uh, within the next season uh, because Jordan Zimmerman, he's been signed to a very bad contract that will be coming to an end. Uh, they also will have the end of the Miguel Cabrera contract coming to an end. And um, just so you know, these guys were signed to these long-term deals that were worth a lot of money. I don't know. I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, but, uh, you know, they're done. Those, de those deals have expired, and at least Detroit will have some money to work with. But in terms of their lineup, they're going to be having Victor Reyes, left fielder Robbie Grossman. We also got uh, designated hitter Miguel Cabrera last year. He will lead the team in home runs and also RBIs. Um, a couple other guys here. We do have uh, Jaimeer uh, Candelario. He would have a 297 average, 369 on base percentage, and a 503 slugging percentage. He would have an 872 OPS, 7 home runs, and 29 RBIs. Uh, let's look at the rotation. We have uh, Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull. He would go 4 of 4 last season with a 397 ERA, but he would have an ERA plus of 117, so he's decent. Bullpen, we have a we have Brian Garcia here. He was a closer. He would just have four saves, but he have a 1.66 ERA. We also got Gregory Soto, Buck Farmer, 
also Jose Ramirez, some other guys, some other members there as well. Uh, but a couple takeaways from the team: uh, they were 28th in on-base percentage. They did not get on base. Uh, they had a sec. They had also their second highest rate of swinging outside of the, the strike zone. So they chase pitches, and you can get them out. I mean, they don't they don't provide too much of a threat offensively. I don't see that changing again this season. They will have some money for free agents, but the question is who wants to play there. Uh, let's go to Kansas City where we have the Royals. They were 26 and 34. They were fourth place. Uh, they've brought in some newer guys, some different guys now. Uh, we have Andrew Benatendi. Uh, they also brought in first baseman Carlos Santana from the sorry from the the Cleveland Indians. Uh, we also got Nicky Lopez here in this lineup. Uh, he tied for second with eight defensive runs saved. Uh, he also led uh, all of baseball in double plays with 25. And he led all second basemen with 43 out of zone plays. So a great defensive player. Uh, we also got third baseman Hunter Dozier and also catcher Salvador Perez. He was the AL Comeback Player of the Year. He led all catchers in doubles and also slugging percentage with 633. He also led all AL catchers, American League catchers, uh, in terms of home runs with 11 and RBIs with 32. He also led with hits with 50. So... Uh, he was also a winner of the Silver Slugger Award. So we have some tools here in in Kansas City. We'll see what happens. Uh, we do have um, <clears throat> the rotation consisting of Brad Keller. He would have five wins last season. Five, one, five runs in just nine starts. Um, but he would have five starts with just with five innings. Like he five of those starts. In five of those starts, in five of those innings, he would not allow a run at all. So, again, decent pitcher here. We also got Denny Duffy in this rotation. Chris, uh, sorry, uh, Chris Burbick. We also got Mike Miner. The rotation seems to be decent. We also got a uh, bullpen that consists of Ian Kennedy at the closer. We also got Jesse Hahn, who put up a few saves last season. So, we have some capable pitchers here. They were second in stolen bases last year, but they were 13th in total runs. They're gonna have to generate some offense. Uh, they were, uh, they had a, uh, sorry, they had a batting average, a team batting average of 244, but they were 12th in on-base percentage, and they were also 10th in slugging percentage as a team. Uh, they, in terms of their pitching, they were 10th in terms of total wins, which is 26. They were sixth in ERA with a 430, and they were third in saves. So definitely, they have a decent bullpen. Uh, we're gonna have to get some more out of that starting rotation and uh, some more offense generated, some more run support. Uh, let's take a look at the, uh, so for them, I would have them probably finishing where they're at, probably fourth or maybe third. But let's move on to the Twins. Uh, this team could probably challenge for the NL, sorry, the AL Central title as well. They were 36 and 24 last year, uh, but they would lose in the wild card series to the Astros. Uh, they have back-to-back -back divisional titles uh, and three trips to the playoffs in the last four years, uh, but they have not won a playoff game since 2004. That is the big takeaway. Um, we have uh, this lineup, a couple players out of this lineup. We have uh, right fielder Max Kepler. We also got left fielder Alex Kirk, uh, Kuriloff. Uh, center, fielder, center fielder, sorry, center fielder Brian Buxton will lead the team in home runs. He would have 13 of them, 27 RBIs. We also got designated hitter uh, Nelson Cruz here, 303 average, 397 on base, and 595 slugging with 16 home runs and 33 RBIs. Uh, part of the rotation, we got Kenta Maeda, 6-1 last season, 270 RBI, 0 0.75 whip. Again, you're not hitting off of them. 
Um, we also got Randy Dobnak, six and four record, four oh five ERA. Let's look at the rotation. Uh, sorry, the bullpen real real quick. We have Tyler Rogers here. Sorry, Taylor Rogers here, the closer. Nine saves from him, four oh three ERA. We also got Alex Colome and Tyler Duffy, also Jose Alcala. Uh, in terms of the team stats here, they were also they had ninety one team home runs, which was third in the AL. So they can hit the ball still very well. A couple years ago, they were leading uh, the league. I think they had like a, a team record of home runs and just RBIs one year. It was like all type of baseball MLB records, but uh, they're still one of the top teams in terms of hitting. So that hasn't changed too much. Um, in terms of pitching, they are second in the, in the AL in terms of wins, 36 overall. They're also fourth in strikeouts with 535. Again, I don't think this cha this team changes up too much. I don't think uh, too many players left. You know, they didn't make too many changes in terms of the roster here. Um, they still got the same manager. Um, I think this team is still solid enough to challenge. I think if we're talking about um, final, you know, Final day placement of the division or standings of the you know the division. I'm saying you either got one, one or two the White Sox or the Twins. That's pretty much where the race is going to be at this season. All right, y'all. Let's take a look at the NL Central. We're gonna look at uh, look at the the Cubs real quick. Last year they were 34 and 26, first in the NL Central, but they were swept in the Wild Card Series by Miami. Um, a quick look at their lineup. Of course, they have Ian Happ here at the uh, the center field spot. 12 home runs from him. That would lead the team. We also got Jock Peterson that they brought in from L.A. Uh, definitely an offseason for him. Uh, he had a 190 average, just seven home runs. He would also have 16 RBIs. Um, but he would have two home runs and eight RBIs in the playoffs, so I'd give him that. We also got Anthony Rizzo and Jason Hayward uh, making up that lineup as well. Uh, in that rotation, we got Kyle Hendricks, who went 6-5 and five last year with a 2.88 ERA. Uh, his whip was pretty good here with a 0 0.996. Uh, I'm guessing he didn't get a whole lot of uh, run support, possibly. That's the only thing I could say here. Uh, we also got Jake Arrieta and also Kyle Davies, as well as Adbert Alzole, and as well uh, as well as Alec Mills making up the rest of that rotation. As part of that, as part of that bullpen, uh, we have uh, Craig Kimbrell. He'll be the closer. Uh, we also got Rowan Wick. He led the team in saves last season with four. He would have a 3.12 ERA. We also got Kyle Ryan, Brandon Workman, um, and uh, a couple others, uh, Dwayne Underwood, and also Dan Winkler as well. Um, let's take a look You know, at terms of the stats from this team. They were 13th in team batting average last year, 10th in on-base percentage, uh, also 12th in slugging. Uh, they were also 10th in total runs, so um, definitely some offense needs to be uh, going in Chicago right now. Uh, one of the, like I said, one of the bottom teams looks like here, below average here in the in the National League. Uh, that definitely, despite their record, um, they were first, but I definitely think they showed up. Definitely showed up in the playoffs. Um, as far as their pitching is concerned, they were fifth in team ERA with a 3.99. Uh, they were also second in saves with 16. So I think in terms of their division, because of who they're going to have to face this year, there might be some competition from the Reds, uh, maybe the Brewers as well. I think they could probably take the division possibly again, that being the Cubs. But if they don't do anything about this offense here, I don't, I don't see them making a deep playoff run. 
But let's look at uh, let's look at the uh, Cincinnati Reds real quick. They were thirty nine and twenty nine last year, second in the NL Central. They lost in a wild card uh, round as well. Uh, that was their first playoff appearance, however, since twenty sixteen. Uh, this is a this is a quote here uh, coming from a National League scout. He would go on to say, "This is a very strange team, an all or nothing sort of cl uh, club. Some days you watch them and think they could win it all, and other days they could look like a beer league soft a beer league softball team." Uh, going up there to take three big swings. They can't execute any kind of small ball situation. It's just grip and rip. So pretty much what he's saying there is they do not get on base pretty uh, at all, at at all. At least to any type of, um, you know, any type of positive stats. There, there's no type of positive stats that they show that they pretty much just swing for the fences. Uh, they swing for homers. They try to get. They try to hit as you know. They try to hit as many homers as they can, and it shows up. Um, it shows up in situations like this. They, they shows up. Excuse me. It shows up in situations like this. Uh, lopsided run support. Uh, the the Reds will score. Um, so, in terms of certain pitchers, right? They would score an average of over two runs. Just over just over an average of two runs per pitcher. Luis uh, Castillo when he would start, and that was the third lowest rate in the league. They would just score 3.7 runs for Trevor Bauer, who's now a member of uh, the Dodgers. That was good enough for just 10th in the league. 10th, uh, uh, yeah, near the bottom uh, of the league. Now, Sonny Gray, on the other hand, would get 5.5 runs and had the best record of the pitchers despite having the worst ERA than both guys. Uh, Sonny Gray would have a 3.7, Bauer would have a 1.73. Castillo would have a 3.2. So, again, run support. Um, you know, hacking for the fences. They're going for the big, the big, you know, the big money shots. They're not getting on base. They're not generating runs. And it shows up certain pitchers struggling are out there. The Reds were tied for last um, and come from behind wins with just 10. They will also never win a game when they're trailing past seven innings. Those are things we have to look at. Um, as part of this lineup, we have catcher Shoko Akiyama, uh, sorry, center fielder Shoko Akiyama. Last year, he would have a uh, average of 245. He would also have a, but you know, he would have an average of 245 on the season, uh, a three, sorry, 357 OPB and a 297 slugging average. But in September, he would step things up. He would have a 317 average, 456 on base percentage, and a 365 slugging. So again. What version do you get from him? Those are going to be the questions. Right fielder Nick Castellanos is coming back. He would have a 228 average, 298 on base percentage, a 486 uh, slugging percentage with 14 home runs. Uh, we also got Jesse Winkler here at the at the left field spot. Uh, 19, sorry, uh, yeah, 19 home runs from him. He will lead the team in average as well. Uh, a couple other players we got here. Uh, we have uh, Joey Votto, of course. One of their legends, so you know they they still got it. They'll be all right. Um, looking at their uh, looking at their rotation right now, uh, they got they got Louis Castillo. Like I said, he would go four six last season. Again, that's the lack of run support in terms of his record four assists. Uh, but he was second on the team in strikeouts, and he had a one uh, one fifty four ERA plus. We got Sonny Gray here. We got Taylor. Sorry, Tyler Molly. He would go two or two last year. 3.59 ERA and 60 strikeouts. We also got Wade Miley and Michael Lorenzen. A couple members of that bullpen. We got Amir Garrett. He's going to be the closer. He's going to be the one that got them hands. You ever heard? Look up Amir Garrett. 
he's a fighter. He'll he'll not he'll man, he's crazy. He's a savage. Uh we also got Sean Doolittle. We also got D uh TJ Antoine as well. A couple takeaways from this squad. They were fifteenth in average, team average last year. Uh they were thirteenth in runs. Uh, they were also fourteenth sorry, but they were fourth in home runs last year. So again, like the scout said, they grip it and they rip. They go for home runs. They do not really get on base. Uh, they were 12th in on-base percentage, but they were 9th in slugging percentage. There you go. In terms of pitching, they were 2nd in team ERA with a 3.84. Uh, they were 3rd in ERA, uh, sorry, earned runs allowed with 215. And they were 1st in strikeouts with 615. So um, they did lose um, They did lose Trevor Bauer. But with that being said, they also have some other pieces there as well. All right, uh, let's move on. We're going to go to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates were finished 19-41 and 41 last season. They were last in the NL Central. Um, they're, they're not. I'm not saying anything that's going to change for them. This is the quote coming from the NL Scout. Uh, they're in real trouble for another year or so, especially after losing cornerstone Josh Bell. Uh, they're, uh, they've got a lot of guys whose upside is really low at best. They can stick around a while as average big leaguers. So, again, that's what you're dealing with. Uh, the scouts say it. They're just average big leaguers. Um, part of this lineup, you got um, first baseman Colin Moran. He would have 10 home runs last year, 23 RBIs. We also got Cabrian uh, Hayes at the third baseman spot, uh, 376 average. Uh, he would have 442 on base percentage and a 682 uh, slugging average with uh, 11 RBIs in his limited time and five home runs. Um, in terms of the rotation, we got Max, Max Keller, uh, Chad Cool. You would have he would have a record of two and three, 4.27 ERA, just 42 strikeouts. In the bullpen, we have uh, Richard Rodriguez, three and two, three and two overall, um, win loss percent, win loss. Sorry. Um, 2.7 ERA, four saves as well. Not really too much to say uh, in this for this team. Uh, they're last in a lot of departments, so um, that does not change um, this season. Um, they were four and 17, I believe, to start off last season. I don't think that that changes this year. I think it takes a while for them to get their first win this season. They struggle. They definitely struggle. Moving on, uh, we're gonna talk about the last team here. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals, they were finished 30 and 28 last year. Uh, they were tied for second in the NL Central. Uh, they were losing a wild card round as well to the Padres. Uh, they have 13 consecutive winning seasons, back to back playoff appearances. Um, their lineup is going to be consisting of uh, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, seven home runs that led the team. They also are bringing back Carl, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, excuse me, 304 average last year, six home runs, 21 RBIs. Um, in terms of the um, the rotation, we're gonna have Jack Flaherty, uh, nine sorry, uh, four and three record from him, forty nine strikeouts. We also got Adam Rainwright coming back, five and three record from him, three fifteen ERA, fifty four strikeouts. That will lead the team. He also had a one thirty four plus ERA. Um, in terms of the bullpen, we have uh, closer Jordan Hicks, uh, twenty career saves so far, four point one eight ERA, twenty nine strikeouts. Uh, he's also backed up by Andrew Miller, who's had four saves. Also, Giovanni Gallegos, who had four saves last season as well. Um, in terms of some, sorry, in terms of some stats about this team, 234 uh, team average, 324 on base percentage as a team, 
uh, 14th in slugging percentage with 371. They just had 51 total home runs. That was last in the National League last year. That's going to have to improve from them. Uh, the pitching that remains the same. Fourth in team ERA, 3.9. Top 10 team there. They were six in saves last season with 13. They also had a whip of one, a team whip of 1.226 team whip. Uh, but they only had 464 strikeouts last year, so the strikeouts were down. Uh, but I don't think that that really makes a difference with this with this pitching staff. Uh, they're still solid. They get you know they help out in terms of you know giving your teams wins. Um, I don't think that they win the Central this year, that being the Cardinals. Uh, but I definitely think that they could possibly be a dark horse. Uh, but I, I see them finishing, in my honest opinion, I see them finishing probably third. Um, I am missing a team here. I am missing the Brewers. We're going to go through them real quick. Yeah, we got the Milwaukee Brewers. Last year, they were finished 29-31. and 31. They were fourth in the Central. They were losing the wild card round as well. Uh, this is the second team in MLB history next to the same, uh, to the Astros, the same year to make it to the playoffs with a losing record. Uh, this was their third straight playoff appearance. Uh, they do have some cons inconsistencies in their infield, though. Uh, the Brewers would have 36 players start at first base uh, since the departure of Prince Fielder in 2011. So no real strong presence there. They've had a bunch of different guys. They're also same thing at the third base spot. Uh, they've had over 20 players start there as well since trading Aramis Ramirez. Yes, Aramis Ramirez back in 2015. Um, again, does it make a big difference? Do, do I think so? I can't really say that. Maybe um, in terms of just having, you know, consistency there having some type of identity there, you know, there's, I mean, in terms of baseball, a lot of the, the team leaders seem to be first basemen um, or pitchers, in my opinion, um, sometimes catchers, but first baseman seems to have carry a lot of weight, so I think, you know, and, and, you know, back when Prince Fielder was there, he was probably one of the best hitters in the league, and that definitely helped him out a lot, they were making the playoffs then too, in my, if I'm not mistaken, so, yeah, they've had, you know, um, but they've had some real problems trying to, you know, get a solid player at that position. I will say that. Um, in terms of their lineup, they are bringing back Lorenzo Kane. He opted out of the 2020 season because of COVID. Uh, we also got first baseman Keston Hirua. He would have 13 home runs last season. Uh, he also had 32 RBIs and 46 hits. That would all lead the team. We also got Jackie Bradley Jr. that they got over the offseason. Uh, we also got shortstop here, Orlando Arcia. 20, uh, sorry, 260, uh, sorry, 260 average. Three, uh, 317 on base percentage and a 416 uh, slugging average with five home runs and 20 RBIs. Um, in, terms of that, sorry, in terms of that rotation, we got Brandon Woodruff, 91 strikeouts. He would lead the team there, 3.75 ERA. We also got a Corbin Burns here, 4-1 uh, record here, 2-11 ERA. Let's look at the bullpen real quick. We have Josh Hader. He'll be the closer. We got Devin Williams as well, Brent Suter. And um, a couple notes about this team here. Um, they they finish average um, in just about every stat. Um, I, I don't, I'm not really take. I mean, I like the addition of Jackie Bradley. Um, I think that'll be a good pickup for them. I think the pitching staff is actually solid. Um, I think they'll probably be battling with Cincinnati for that second place spot. I, I actually no. I, I think there's a good there's a good chance that they could compete. It'll be probably the, the Cubs, Reds, and um, 
in in Milwaukee here kind of vying for that number one spot. I think they all have a chance to kind of to kind of have a shot at it. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break, and uh, when I come back, I'll be breaking down uh, some of that Derek Jackson drama. Of course, I want to go over some uh, Martin Lawrence. Um, well, some some a discussion about you know black actors as well. So I'll be back, y'all.